Hi, everyone. Welcome to the very latest episode of the TA Report. Uh, today, I'm sitting down with Ollie Hayes at uh, Google. Ollie is a senior staffing business partner for Cloud at Google. Uh, we discuss all sorts. Um, really, really great conversation overall. We talk about candidate experience, uh, hiring by committee, storytelling, data-driven talent acquisition. Um, Ollie is one of the very, very best uh, TA professionals that I that I have the pleasure of knowing. Um, so I really appreciate his time, and I hope that you enjoy the conversation. Um, get in touch with me on Matt at Higher Window. Leave a review, leave some feedback, whatever you want, and uh, speak soon. Hello, welcome to episode five of the TA Report. Uh, I'm Matt Clark. I'm your host as always. I'm here today with Ollie Hayes at Google um, in a very, very impressive office in central London on, on Buckingham Palace Road, no less. Uh, Ollie, welcome to the TA Report. Thank you very much, Matt. Well, thanks for having me in. It's, a, it's honestly all, the pleasure is all mine. Um, there's a lot of people that will be listening that I imagine might have come across you, um, but there will be a fair few that, that haven't as well. Yeah. For the benefit of those listeners that, that don't know you, aren't familiar with your profile, what you do at Google, perhaps I could ask you to kick off with just a short introduction to yourself and, and your role here, here at Google. Yeah, cool. I, I give us a little bit of context as to how I got here, I guess, as well. So I've been, I think, 11 years in recruitment altogether now, which sort of seems to have flown by pretty quick. Um, cut my teeth in agency recruitment in 2008, so I joined an investment banking recruitment focus firm as the financial markets crashed. So that was uh, you know, pretty challenging, good, uh, good fun, worked through a couple of agencies and then moved in-house. So I started working for an RPO, worked for um, Aviva, did a lot of their um, central office hiring in, in sort of London, spread out into some of the niche stuff around sort of actuarial. From there, moved to another RPO, took over the very niche hiring that Royal Sun Alliance were doing at the time. Okay. Um, and sort of focused on sort of head office and, and sort of some of the satellite offices, which was good fun. Then pivoted to um, within the same RPO to working with a company called Anheuser or Bush and Bev, who are the world's largest beer company. So it's always kind of good fun. It resonates quite nicely <laughs> yeah. with my interests as well. Um, I did a project management role there, which was something I'd always wanted to do. So I kind of led recruitment-related projects from graduate recruitment to looking at diversifying. Uh, hiring into some of the supply chain parts of the business. Um, how do we hire language speakers into Prague? Mm. Um, great fun, but after six months there, uh, LinkedIn uh, approached me, and as a company that was always somebody that like loved the platform, so mm. I always wanted to work for the company. So I'm not going to turn that down. Yeah. Um, luckily enough, spent three and a half years at, at LinkedIn hiring across pretty much all of their sales divisions, I think like nine countries across EMEA, five different business units. I led the talent brand strategy that the team was building out in EMEA. Um, and then after three and a half years, um, moved over to Google. Mm. Uh, so I think I've been here seven months now, okay. which again, flies by yeah. crazy quick. Uh, so I'm, I currently hold a dual role. So I'm the point of contact for software engineer hiring into Paris. Um, which do some really cool things around YouTube and Chrome and arts and culture, um, a lot of sort of machine learning, that kind of stuff. Uh, so it's been good to sort of get to know that part of the tech world as well. And now, more recently, I'm doing the other part of my role is to uh, look after our cloud sales hiring for Northern Europe, which is about six mm. countries in the Nordics and Benelux. Mm. Um, so yeah, I guess that's sort of a quick intro into Cool, me. cool. So seven months in, probably just about 
beginning to get your head around an organization, yeah. uh, I suppose, after that period of time. Uh, we, we first met back when you were at LinkedIn, mm-hmm. and I was, um, I, was a, I was a sourcer trying to find my way in the world. Um, you, obviously, yeah, you've, been, you've been at Google now for sort of seven months. What does a day in the life of a, someone recruiting both tech people and, I guess, now salespeople <laughs> At Google look like if, if there is such thing as a, a day in the life yeah I guess doing the two roles at the same time like the, the sales piece is, is just kicking off now but it's uh, it makes for sort of a pretty busy time so you know managing my day um, across two very different parts of our business um, is, is quite challenging I, th- I suppose but I'm getting my head around that what I love though is the um, business acumen you build up by getting to know different parts of the business I guess probably to anyone listening as well there's no typical day in the life right like I spend my time talking to a lot of passive candidates, um, telling them about Google and the roles that we have, really trying to excite and using stories that Google has or Googlers have, bringing to life like our business, um, working with um, site leads, country managers um, in terms of the strategy, what initiatives we might bring, what sort of kick off, what um, uh, sort of trying to sort of think about different ways we can approach problems and how we might solve those and bringing the business in, getting them involved. Um, that's always sort of a key thing that I, I like to get involved in. And then it's sort of working really cross-functionally with whether it's the events team or the graduate hiring team. I always sort of try and make sure that every day I'm, I'm networking with somebody different in the business, yep. uh, ideally in my wider team, because there's a lot of people in Google London. Mm. Um, so I like to sort of get that FaceTime in, really sort of get to understand their day, their challenges, how the crossover sort of works, where we can help each other out. Um, and I'm also trying carve out some time where possible as well to sort of think about right where am I on my yearly plan where am I on Mm. my quarterly plan are we hitting the milestones that I set out at the beginning of the year are we making the progress that I wanted and if not what should we be doing who can I work with to help us Mm. achieve that and you know a successful or productive day to me kind of sitting on the train on the way home going that felt productive Mm. I hit some milestones I've moved things forward yeah I think no day is the same right Mm. It's, it's different you take what comes I think what I've learned about tech companies is it's always going to be pretty ambiguous. Yeah. Um, so you've got to sort of manage that in as well. But it's, uh, no, it's, it's good fun. Mm. Good. And it's one of those those kind of businesses, Google, where I guess as a brand, you think it makes a recruiter's life relatively easy. <laughs> uh, you know, if, you are, if you're approaching a, a cold candidate in, in the market and saying, do you want to have a chat about this role at Google, particularly <clears throat> tech folk, I, I can only imagine that the majority are relatively open to a conversation, I would have thought. Um, I'd say it goes sort of two ways. I think having a brand like Google behind you, yeah, it absolutely helps. Mm. Like when you when you reach out to somebody and say, "I'm a recruiter at Google. I'd love to talk to you about like mm. teams that we have that could be interested in your profile. Like your profile stood out to me because of these reasons." That that definitely goes down well. Mm. But I think there's an element of not getting too complacent and just relying yeah. on the brand. I think for me, it's always about how can you really personalize the message, like hyper personalization. I think it's talked about a lot these days and looking at a candidate's particular experience and then aligning that to a particular role or mm. team or project that we're looking for whether it's like the need that's there right now or the longer term six months 12 months further down the line and how can you build up that engagement mm. um yeah the name helps but i think yeah. you've really got to personalize and, and and bring them in and i think if you can excite somebody that's i think the key part there's mm. so many cool companies out there whether they're startups or whether they're big multinationals um a lot of companies are going through changes as well where they've maybe have seen a sort of um, one way in the past and now they're reinventing themselves um, 
and obviously you don't know people's individual circumstance or, or, or plans or preferences or passions so I think you've really got to try and excite people mm. so telling stories is something mm. that I think you and I sort of touched upon yeah. when we first met right I think that's that's the key thing to, to bring people into mm. the business mm. um, it's one of the things I love about working at companies like Google and LinkedIn and, and House of Beauty in the past is that there are so many good stories to tell yeah. and that if you can bring that to life show people what it's like to really work at a company rather than just this is the brand name mm. like how can you show what it's like inside mm. bring that to life and you make your life easier yeah and that that's obviously something that you know I, I imagine that recruiters at Google are, are very good at is that that storytelling mm. um, you know I think for for a lot of people, um, I guess what Google calls people operations, mm-hmm. um, it, it's held up as a real, I guess, high standard um, in, in the marketplace. A lot of people will have read um, Work Rules by Laszlo Bock. They'll mm-hmm. have visited the, the rework um, site that Google kind of has just uh, published all of their kind of HR <laughs> practices on, essentially. I guess I'm interested to understand, now that you're an insider in the organization, what you think that Google do really, really well from a talent acquisition perspective, or maybe alongside that, that storytelling piece? Yeah, um, so I think one of the sort of key things I think as well is is the passionate people that we have in our wider team. So um, there's a really sort of big team that works around us, a lot of cross-functional teams, but it's that diversity of background and thought that I think is that adds really good value, um, plus the wealth of experience as well. Mm. Um, and the size of the team definitely doesn't help right you've got a, a lot of different people doing a lot of really cool things that you can if you can tie that together into your strategy that mm. um, is always going to pay dividends I think you know you look at sort of the past hiring years of Google and how many people we hired last year like it doesn't come easy to hire that many thousands of people right? mm. it takes a, it takes a village as they say um, I think one of the things that I loved about Google and reading sort of Laszlo's book before I joined was around the hiring committee mm. um, which I kind of got a sense of from the research I'd done before I joined, but it's only when you're in-house, like physically sort of sitting at the desk, that you sort of get a sense as to how it actually works. Google's hiring committee is um, happens at the end of the interview process. Mm. So uh, we provide all the information to a group of very senior individuals within that part of the business. So it could be very senior software engineers, for example. And they go into um, a big discussion around every single person that Google looks to hire. And it's really taken a consensus-driven approach and it's it's twofold as well really it's it's making sure that the people we hire we're going to set them up for success so mm. we know that in the short term they're going to come in at the right level they're going to be successful in the long term as well we can see them like thriving at google so like 10 years down the line are they still going to be able to create new opportunities and drive into new projects um and then the other side is sort of looking at google side and are we continuing to set the bar at the right level mm. are we continuing to bring in people that bring in the right type of experience and can continue to drive our business forward. Um, I think the hiring committee is something that is, is definitely a really interesting piece and I think Google do that incredibly mm. well. It's a very thoughtful way to hiring. Mm. I think the other thing that I've really sort of loved about Google is the size of the company can be a little bit daunting, I think, to yeah. somebody new joining, right? It's 100 odd thousand people, or give or take. But navigating your way across that across regions so whether it's uh, whether it's the Americas or whether it's APAC collaborating with different teams collaborating with colleagues in different parts of the world is seamless really mm. um, if you've got candidates that you're talking to and 
all of a sudden they say, do you know what? I've had a life-changing event. I'm moving to the other side of the world. Mm. Brilliant. Let me help you find a team and a, mm. and a home in Google in Sydney. Yeah. And you can make that happen remarkably simple. Mm. There's, there's so much, again, so much thought put into how Google works, how we collaborate, how we work cross-functionally, mm. that these kind of things have been thought about so much. And there's always people looking at how can we continuously improve on, mm. on what we've already done. Yeah, that collaboration piece, I think, is, is vital to any mm. success of any business. And I think we do that incredibly well here mm. as well. That makes sense. And I think, you know, I, I don't know if it's kind of a, a chicken and egg situation. I don't know what came first, what came second. But I, I suppose the idea of hiring by committee in and of itself gets a huge amount of people very involved in the talent acquisition agenda, mm. right? Lots of people are involved in hiring one person um, as a ratio compared to most organizations. That presumably helps drive a real culture of, I guess, talent-first thinking, um, yeah. for want of a better. better yeah, front. no, definitely. I think everybody, I think every company wants to sort of tap into referrals, right? That's mm. sort of one part of how you can bring everybody into it. I think the other part is the, the hiring committee for sure. I think it also means that, I mean, I certainly had it when I joined Google. I had the imposter syndrome for yeah. sort of a good two, three months. Um, but you can sort of fall back on the fact that you've gone through the hiring committee. Mm. You know that a bunch of people have looked and sort of really dived into depth at um, your feedback and, and the experiences that you bring and that you can sort of take a confidence in that you were hired for the right reasons. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's, it's fantastic to see how many people get involved in the process mm. and to the candidates coming in or the nooglers as we call them, mm. you know, coming in and that confidence that they have based on the back of that, it's, it makes a big difference. Mm. Excellent. And so if we kind of step back from from Google as an organization, you mentioned at the beginning of the conversation you've been in recruitment. Was it 11 years? About 11 years. About now, 11 yeah. years. So just over a decade. What do you think that the industry, the talent acquisition industry, recruitment industry, whatever it is you want to call it, has done particularly well over the course of that decade you've, you've spent with us? Yeah, I mean, I think the digital takeover of everything that people do has sort of obviously had a, a huge a huge part I think one of the things that, you know when you and I met was when you came up to the LinkedIn offices and I love hearing about what other companies are doing whether it's at conferences or you know just catching up with people that are in my my network or sort of companies that I used to work at um, I think every company do every company does something really cool and really different and it mm. works for them it might not work for another company but there's definitely I think if you can share these practices outright, it's, it's only going to benefit the wider industry. Mm. Um, I think the emergence of some key trends that have, have sort of really made a difference in terms of how talent acquisition professionals have a seat at the table and yeah. how we can influence um, the business that we work with and how we can sort of really sometimes put your neck on the line and say, right, mm. this person is great, we need to hire them because of X, Y, Z. Like You're listened to by the business more than ever. Mm. Um, I think the emergence of things like storytelling and branding and how recruitment professionals think of themselves as marketers when it comes mm. to the roles that they work with, um, data and insights and like the emergence or the ability to have more data at your hands, but mm. how you then tell stories of that and how you mm. can spot key trends. I think that's incredibly important. I think I always get quite nerdy when it comes to data and I look at pass-through rates. Mm. Like you look at the recruitment funnel, you got one hire at the bottom, how many people do you need to put in? or talk to at the top of the funnel yeah. and what do the different stages look like data will dictate that and, mm. and help you well, it helps me manage my time I think um, and then it's I think candidate experience has been huge yeah. I think a lot of people have heard the story I think it was Virgin that talked about um, how 
their candidate experience journey might have cost them money because they didn't realize that candidates are also customers. Yeah. And it's the same, I think, pretty much for any company that you work with, right? Like, mm. when you worked in the insurance industry, because um, you and I both have, right? Yeah. Any candidate you're talking to, give them a bad experience, they probably won't choose that company to insure their car or their yeah. home with. Um, it's the same, I think, for any company. Candid- uh, candidates might be customers in different types of ways, but I think the emergence of candidate experience and how how important that is these days and mm. how companies measure it as well um, and what they expect, I think, is phenomenal to mm. see. Um, I think that's a really big piece. Yeah. I, th- I think, you know, for, for me, that, that candidate experience piece is so often overlooked perhaps by people outside of the talent acquisition function. Mm. Um, you know, I don't know how many people Google interview on an annual basis just in the UK. I can imagine it's a lot. And I can imagine <laughs> if you really, really, yeah, I can imagine if you really annoy X percentage of that and make them think they're never going to buy Google hardware or use G Suite, whatever else it is, that actually over the course of a customer's kind of potential lifetime value, those numbers might become more compelling if you put them in front of a, yeah, a business leader. Exactly as well. And I think, especially when you work in quite niche areas as well, so whether it's um, software engineering or it's a particular sales function that you might be hiring into, if you get known in the wider sort of market for giving candidates a bad experience, whether that's taking more than a week to give feedback and mm. then giving feedback over email, which is yeah. what I absolutely hate. Like you want to give feedback over the phone, if not face to face. And detailed feedback as well. Like I think open, honest, constructive. Right. Mm. This is what went well. This is what didn't go well. This is the decision that's been made and why. Mm. They get a really sort of clear understanding. Um, if you get known for giving bad experiences in a niche market, yeah. that word spreads like wildfire around a pretty small community. Yeah. Um, especially as well with um, the amount of online forums there are. Yeah. Like everybody probably has a look at uh, what a company sort of experiences like before they go into interviews right mm. and there's a wealth of information out there and mm. you don't want to sort of fall into the wrong buckets no. so yeah, yeah. I think again it's, it's one of the things I think Google does really well um, you sort of see from the sort of data that we have on that people willingly provide on the experience I think yeah. we do a, a really good job there good good I think that's some of the best feedback that a that a recruitment team can can receive really mm is did a candidate genuinely enjoy the experience even if they didn't end up getting hired yeah it's a pretty good measure of uh, measure of success yeah absolutely uh, so that's you know that's that's sort of where you've seen progress over the last decade or so in, in the industry if we kind of shift gears if we fast forward now and we talk about the future let's maybe not go 10 years into the future because <laughs> it could all get a bit a bit nebulous but over the next five years perhaps what most excites you about working in talent acquisition and if you want to talk about it specifically at Google perhaps. Yeah, I mean, I think, again, it's the, it's the emergence of all, all these um, companies that are coming into the fray, um, focusing on sort of some of these different areas, right? Mm. So you've, there's a lot of companies that are out there that focus on branding. There's lots of companies that focus on um, gamification. Mm. So um, Pymetrics is one that sort of springs to mind that mm. I've had a bit of experience with. Mm. Um I think everybody loves something that's gamified, right? Yeah. Like if you can challenge yourself, I think bringing that into interview processes, bringing things like video interviewing into mm. processes, um, those will free up a lot of recruiters' time mm. to be able to focus on other things that make a big difference. So mm. rather than just taking an open role and then filling that open role, how can you think about projects and initiatives that make a big difference to your company's plans on like a, a longer-term basis? Mm. And how can you... Uh, run events that really showcase your culture and your organization. Mm. I think 
if you've got time to do that and mm. a lot of AI and stuff like that can free up it um, you've got to be wary I think as to how much you let things automate and how much you sort of let yes. things stay within your remit of control or it's, maybe it's how comfortable you are to let things go right yes. maybe that's just me um, I think there's definitely huge improvements that artificial intelligence and machine learning can make in terms of um, you know you talk about CV screening and stuff mm. like that and uh, scheduling interviews and things like yeah. that but equally I think you still need that human element right um, nuances will get missed or experiences yeah. will get missed I don't think people will be happy talking to chatbots when they've got certain things but equally yeah. you know in the future we might not know we're talking to chatbots so. yeah yeah um, I think it'd be exciting to see what, what different companies come out with. Yeah. I think you've got big companies that are investing in their technology that they have, so whether it's platforms like LinkedIn mm. um, or whether it's sort of new startups coming into the mm. to sort of the fray and sort of talking about branding or storytelling mm. or gamification and data, I think yeah. those will be big pieces. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, with, with all things AI and machine learning, because that's one that comes up all the time when, when I ask this kind of question, I think... It's scary because there's been some kind of relatively high-profile failures um, of of, yeah. su of such kind of technology. But you know, I guess that is the nature of technological change. It's never exactly smooth. Um, you know, I there's think, always hiccups in the road. Yeah, and I think if you, you know, I'm a, I'm a big believer of if you don't try something, you'll never you'll never know if it works. And if something fails, and obviously the you know a lot of companies have launched products or a lot mm. of initiatives have been launched that haven't worked out as as a company intended. And I think mm. if you if you presume that company had good intent behind what they were looking to do, mm. then you know if if that company is then looking at you know this didn't work, but what was the why behind that? What was the feedback? What yeah. did the data tell us? Can we do something better? Can we make it work? Mm. Um, can it work in different ways? Mm. I think if you don't try, you'll never know. Right? Yeah, yeah, completely, completely. And I mean, you you spend most of your days or a good chunk of your days hiring software engineers for for Google. Mm. So I can only imagine that you are relatively up to date on technology trends. Um, I'm really interested to understand if there is a if there is a, a piece of a, a technology or a trend um, that you think has maybe slipped under the radar of talent acquisition professionals um, that will be maybe a, a bigger deal than we perhaps think it, it will. Yeah, it's um, it's, a, it's a really interesting question. I think. For me, it doesn't necessarily fall into technology. Mm. Um, for me, it's something that we talk a lot about at Google. We, we talked a lot about it at LinkedIn. Um, in fact, actually, when I joined LinkedIn, it was sort of the, the global head of TA, a guy called Brendan Brown, mm. um, it was a, a big passion of his. Mm. And it resonated so so much with me that it became a big passion of mine as well. And it's something that I'll, I'll take into any company, any roles that I have in the future. And that's really around the power of storytelling. Yeah. Um, and again, it's something you and I talked about when you were at AXA and I was at LinkedIn. Um, I think stories, I think as we were sort of go through sort of trainings and sort of different things, stories are the, um, the difference between an emotionally invested candidate and someone who just sees you as another interview. Yeah. So I think we talked a lot about it around how it can grab attention, how yeah. you know, stories awaken emotions, right? Create memories, they influence decisions. You know, there's a reason why everyone likes a good book or a great film, mm. right? Um, and I've seen firsthand the power that can have where we've seen people join companies that I've worked for when they've had competing offers or they've had other great companies sort of time to talk to them as well. Um, a lot of companies that I enjoy working for and a partner with would classify themselves as purpose-driven companies. Mm. Um, 
and so if you can then make your stories and opportunities and your company's culture resonate with candidates especially given candidates these days have a wealth of choice right mm. um if if you can make them feel that your company is where they're going to feel like they belong mm. and where they've got a home and you can bring that to life through stories then you're going to be in a position to bring in the right talent mm. um and sometimes, you know, even if you work at a smaller company and you're competing with the likes of, of Google or Amazon or whoever else, if you can make a candidate feel like they're going to belong, then um, and you can bring that to life, you're going to punch above your weight in some mm. cases, right? And I think it was it. Maya Angelou uh, was always the quote that always sticks into my mind was, "People will forget what you said, people will forget what you did, but they'll never forget how you made them feel." Yeah, yeah, and if you can get a candidate so genuinely excited about not just the role but the the company the culture the people mm. the future um, that'll make a big difference mm. and I think you couple that as well with employer branding I think there's a huge amount of companies that I respect that do this incredibly well um, I think the number one constraint every candidate faces when they think about joining a new organisation or you're interviewing in a new mm. company is that you might know the brand of the company and you might know the products or the work that they do but you don't actually know what it's like to sit at the desk in yeah. that company surrounded by the people, right? If you can bring that to life and showcase the culture, use social platforms, deliver inside views and, and bring that piece to life, that's going to make a huge difference to mm. the to the candidates who come directly to you or respond to passive outreach. Mm. So I think a couple of those two together. I, th- I, I couldn't agree more. I think that that is... It, it's so interesting that, that someone in your position recruiting software engineers, um, working in... A, a, a company that's as techie as techie gets your answer to the question is immediately <laughs> it's what what's what recruiters can do better it's not the there's this new gadget there's this new software there's, there's this that and the other that we can install on our Google Chrome browsers to find the right um, you know candidates actually all about do you know what we have to make an emotional connection with candidates and that you know that's yeah. the kind of thing that you think I might be the anomaly maybe um, <laughs> I think you, we talked about software engineers and it's not a field that I've worked in sort of previous to joining Google mm understanding the motivators of different people mm. is the key thing, right? Like, so what motivates a software engineer is going to be very different to what motivates a sales professional. But a lot of people, I think, maybe this resonates with you and mm. maybe the sort of people listening, most people that I talk to, especially passive talent, like, mm. why are you engaging in this conversation? What made you apply, maybe? A lot of people say it's about they don't sort of see the next role for them in the company. Yeah. And you bring that to life. Mm. And and you're making making life easy yeah. for yourself. Yeah. And, and and sort of continuing this this um, train of thought, then the the, the the talent acquisition function of the future. Mm-hmm. Um, what what do you think that will look like? You know, I have my own particular views. I think that there will be essentially professionals in talent acquisition teams that resemble you know digital marketers and um, product managers, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, and you won't have resourcing business partners as such anymore mm-hmm. in, in your mind what do you think the future of the, the talent acquisition function looks like um, yeah I, I think to a degree bringing more people in that can cover marketing site functions mm. is, is great there's a, a team at Google here that works on running events and mm. having a, a team that's dedicated to that has been hugely powerful because in previous companies when I've wanted to run events you kind of do it on your own mm. or do it with other people but on top of what you're currently doing um, people that focus on the marketing side and how you can push that message out I think that's the key thing if you've got um, again it's whichever company you work for whichever industry you're working in mm. you're not the only company right you're always mm. going to have competitors 
um, being able to position that in a proactive way to your, the talent pool that you might be looking to hire. Mm. I think marketers play a big role in the future of recruitment. Mm. Um, technology obviously will in terms of how quickly and efficiently people can move and the speed and what it frees up in terms of um, taking out some of the more mundane tasks maybe and giving you more freedom to, to get involved in cool initiatives and, and actually making sort of significant impacts in terms of companies' milestones. Um, but yeah, I, I think the human element though of having resourcing business partners face off to the business, mm. I think that's a, a key thing. Mm. You know, it's one of the things I always loved about recruitment is that when I was early days recruitment, first ever job, my cl- uh, client groups would be first level hiring managers for example mm. the more senior you get you might be facing off into country managers yeah. it's understanding as well what, what drives them what do they care about mm. and then how you can kind of bring that together and, and sort of showcase to them mm. that you're partnering with the business and not just order takers mm. you're a true business partner mm. yeah I, I absolutely agree I guess when I say I'm not sure that resourcing business partners will exist in the future I guess I mean in their current guise mm. and, and doing the activity that a lot of resourcing business partners currently do because you're right that kind of value add facing off into the business consultative approach being an expert in the market but also understanding the wants needs desires emotional journey mm. uh, that a senior hiring manager goes through for example yeah. um, that, that will all remain I think really really important I think some companies that I've worked with in the past I've, I've talked a lot about it as well and it's um, the ability to build out strong workforce plans Yeah. so not just what are we doing in the next 12 months what are the business goals whether it's revenue or product launches or, or whatever it might be but what does three years look like? Mm. What does five years look like? Every company seems to have a, a long-term business plan. Being able to bring staffing into that earlier, I think, will make a huge difference because mm. um, especially if the data that's available, whether it's on uh, platforms like LinkedIn or the other platforms that are available, understanding where talent sits, mm. in which geographical regions, what motivates them to move, um, which candidates, or what kind of pool is, is willing to relocate, mm. enables you to say, right, based on our global business plan for the next several years, the t- like the talent acquisition team thinks that, or has the data that says we, we need to be hiring into these locations. Yep. Or if you're looking for this specific skill set, this is where you, you look to sort of do it. And mm. I think, you know, when I, when, uh, when I was at LinkedIn, they, they were launching a product that, that was gonna tie into that. I've mm. seen colleagues move on to other companies where a lot of their role has been around researching markets and talent mm. pools and understanding not just the sort of demographics, but the, the talent that actually exists and mm. then helping companies to understand, right, if we are going to build a new office here or mm. we're going to create a new team, does that talent exist? Mm. Can we attract that talent? Mm. What does it look like? How can we partner with universities and build that talent in the mm. future? I think that's a, a, a big sort of part that I've seen coming through in the recent years. Mm. And that's such a, an, an interesting example, though, should we open an office in this space? Because I think, you know, 10 years ago to think that a, that a resourcing team might be engaged in the decision as to where to open a open an office yeah. I don't think that would have been the case you <laughs> no, know, just, it would have been a finance decision operations decision and, and whatever else that high sort of strategic level so it's amazing to think that that talent acquisition can get involved in those kind of conversations you, you sort of mentioned LinkedIn there and sort of various platforms and obviously you know working at that level and getting involved at that strategic level is enabled by recruitment technology mm-hmm. um, that's what enables resourcing business partners TA people to, to get involved from from where you're kind of sitting what do you think the the future of recruitment technology looks like I know that's a very difficult question <laughs> I'm asking you to predict the future but do you have a strong view as to where you think 
sort of recruitment technology will, will end up in sort of five, ten years' time? Yeah, I think um, you touched upon it a little bit earlier, but I think um, any company that's looking to make their recruitment teams more efficient and deliver impact at scale, I think, is, is where you're going to find good synergies with the sort of, the, the sort of recruitment technology space. Um, that we talked about automation, AI, machine learning, sort of coming into that. Um, I'm a big fan of gamification. Mm. Like, if, if somebody can gamify something for me, they're going to get me bought in. Mm. Like, it suckers me in every single time. Mm. Um, Heineken did a. Um, do you remember this? Heineken did a game almost online where you sort of click in, go through different doors, answer questions, and it kind might, of drives you, you into. That, actually, yeah, drives you into um, sort of different career paths. And I thought that that way of playing that game is is phenomenally um, just a really cool way to engage people um, you, Google do something similar in terms of how we engage coders mm. um, I think that that buys into a lot of people um, so I think, oh, sorry, Heineken sort of did it I think there's obviously a whole bunch of companies yes. that do it um, Pymetrics have obviously got a big into the gamification space then you sort of look at video interviews mm. um, and how can you leverage that to add real value into mm. your business and then um, psychometric testing and things like that as mm. well I think well I know personally from first hand experience everyone has a different view on these kind of things yeah. but if you can understand the value and, and the drawbacks and then where you can slot that into your different particular needs it obviously doesn't work everywhere but when you can when you can match it into a part of your business and free up a huge space mm. I think Unilever used gamification to hire I, I can't remember the exact numbers but it was a significant number of people mm. and they did it at scale yeah um with very little resource from their time taken up, yeah, um, until sort of maybe towards the latter stages, mm. and it's you know, a phenomenal example of how you can hire a lot of people that add great value to your business, gives a great candidate experience, mm. and does so at scale. Mm. And every company is looking to do things at scale. Mm. Like everything's always, how can we scale this regionally, globally? Mm. Um, how can we hit the numbers for the year? Right, mm. like, I think. A lot of, especially sort of people who don't work in recruitment, a lot of people sort of think, right, this is the business plan. How's that company going to achieve it? And it's always, they always sort of think about the people in the company driving those plans. Mm. But mostly it comes down to the people that the recruitment team hire in to be able to deliver those plans, right? If the recruitment team were able to do that at scale, do it efficiently, drive automation in in certain areas where it makes sense, that's going to help companies deliver on their plans. Mm. Mm. I think that's it. I think that. You know, you're, you're you're right about th- things have to scale uh, and work across an organisation, and I think it's really important that, and I'm not saying that it is, but stuff like gamification doesn't become uh, sort of gimmicky, and you're mm. kind of doing it as a let's test it in a small way. But actually, these these tools, these solutions can can scale and work across an organisation. Obviously, you have to apply them in, in in different ways, and I think that's a real challenge for a lot of recruitment technology leaders. Am I right in thinking was it was it Google? I I, I saw somewhere. I mean, years ago now, with the the billboard in Silicon Valley, with the the puzzle on yeah. there, and you so if you if you followed it, you ended up at a URL, and there was various <laughs> other like math challenges. Was that was that Google or? Um, I think that was Google. That was probably yeah. a while ago. I think you and I both got that from Laszlo's book, right? Yes, um, possibly. Which yeah, probably both, both. I certainly read before I yeah. came here. Um, yeah, I, th- I think I think it was Google, but I'd have mm. to sort of double check. I'm yeah. not sure. I think if I recall correctly from the book, the lesson learned was. Don't put those kind of things up on the side of motorways. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Gamification <laughs> done wrong. Yeah. Not necessarily the right way to um, engage an audience when they're driving at seventy miles an hour. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think you, you evolve that into sort of future state, and you know, with the 
how search engine, the Google search engine, right? Like if somebody types in something very niche in particular, can you do the same thing but do it online? Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a great way to sort of get candidates. Yeah. And I think it's a great way to find non-traditional types of profiles, right? Mm. Like I think everybody likes a challenge and it doesn't have to be coders who answer a, a coding competition. It could be anybody who goes, oh, I've got good problem solving skills, I can have a mm. go at that. Mm. Mm. The, um, I guess to kind of almost extend from there then, you you, know, you work for this iconic Silicon Valley brand. Um, you you recruit people into sort of software engineering teams. They'll be working on some of, I guess, the coolest challenges out there. Mm. From what you kind of see in, in, in the rec tech market and solutions that I'm sure people you know try and sell to you or you see at <laughs> conferences or whatever else, how do you think the recruitment technology industry and the solutions out there are comparing to the real kind of cutting-edge stuff that you're seeing coming out of Silicon Valley? Is there a big gap there? Is there a lot sort of ground to I close? D- I don't think there's a huge gap, to be honest. I think I, I probably see more synergy and, and, and crossover, but, but maybe that's partly because of having worked at LinkedIn and, and Google, that mm. are both iconic Silicon Valley companies. And, um, you know, I think you mentioned at the beginning as well, right? Like Google's heavily invested into the recruitment space and, mm. and how can we do things? And obviously there's platforms they're looking to build. LinkedIn is completely synonymous with recruitment and mm. the technology that was coming out of these companies. And I think it's how can you make life easier for candidates? Yeah. And how can you make life easier for the recruiters? Mm. And that ultimately aids the company that you're, you're working for. Mm which in, in most instances will, will help economies as well. Like mm. I think there's been a huge talk um, recently, especially when you just talk about Silicon Valley, that it's a very saturated market now. Mm. How can you explore new geographical locations and mm. people are opening up offices in different parts of, not just like the US, but different parts of the world, right? Mm. Um, in the UK, there's big hubs in Birmingham and Manchester, mm. um, outside of London. Um, I think there's a lot of crossover um, on how companies leverage sort of the technology platforms that are out there mm. I think we were all taught at early days in our career how do you x-ray Google to find white yeah. talent right um, I think technology companies will continue to create technology that aids the recruitment space mm. the rec tech space will only get bigger and bigger mm. um, companies will focus on the niche areas around branding and, and data and mm. gamification but I think there is a big technology crossover and it's evolving so fast as well right? so I think we'll just see nothing but more companies coming into the space mm. and quickly. Mm. Um, and then, you know, I, I do love it when I get messages on sort of LinkedIn or through email where people are saying, oh, I would like to talk to you or sort of looking to sort of pitch a new product. Mm. It's, it's not in my wheelhouse to make these kind of decisions no. yet, but it's um, some of the technology that you see coming through is, yeah. is fantastic. Whether it's, um, what's one I love recently, where you can plug in a job description and it will automatically analyze that to tell you whether or not you've used gender neutral wording. Oh, whether okay. it's overly masculine or whether it's, yes, it's going to appeal yeah. to certain audiences. Um, you know, things like that just 10 years ago didn't exist, right? Yeah. 10 yeah. years ago, probably wasn't even being thought about. Mm. Um, and you look at some of the words that it might flag up and say, right, that is, you might want to think about replacing that word with this word because it resonates with a wider audience. Mm. You know, day to day, that's going to probably fly straight past you but mm. yeah, actually very quick easy technology just to plug straight in mm. Mm. Um, where technology needs to be careful is with, especially in Europe right with GDPR yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. Um, there's probably a lot of tools that were used years and years ago that mm. you wouldn't that were probably illegal to use these days yes in terms of how you find out data yeah um, so being 
more savvy in terms of how you drive people to your brand mm. as opposed to how you can find them passively. I think that's mm. a, an interesting challenge to solve. It, it is, isn't it? Because there is the kind of, you know, nailing that employer branding piece and the sort of the marketing aspect of recruitment clearly is incredibly important. At the same time, you can't underestimate the direct sourcing model mm. um, of having people who know how to find people on LinkedIn, um, various other places that I'm sure you hang out to find tech people, um, other social networks, etc. Um, balancing those two, I think, is really, really important. And, and for me, you know, I, I've, people who listen to this podcast will be sick of hearing me say this, <laughs> um, but kind of in, integrating tools in a way that doesn't damage candidate experience, yeah. you know, and understanding that there's not going to be a one solution for everything, um, and you need to create kind of an ecosystem within your recruitment function that works and isn't fragmented and basically a kind of horrible um, minefield to navigate as a candidate and yeah. actually helps the process along rather than just being that's a shiny piece of tech, let's bolt that on. That's a shiny piece of tech, let's bolt that on. How do you create those joyful experiences? Exactly, yeah. I mean, joyful experiences is a, is a great way to look at it, right? Because We've probably all been there, and I hope, well, I'm sure people listening in as well will have been there, where you see a great role mm. um, on whatever platform you, you choose to apply, mm. and then the actual process of applying is so painful that mm. you choose not to. Um, there's, yeah, I think just making that that piece is so simple, but yeah. I think can often be overlooked yeah. um, in, a, in a variety of different ways. Um, I think, yeah, sourcing teams that I've worked with or had the pleasure to work with really because the work that they do is, is phenomenal mm. um, I'd like to think I'm pretty good at finding niche talent on my own yeah. but when I sit down with some of the sourcing teams like the, the ways that they go about it is phenomenal mm. um, their knowledge of certain industries their knowledge of different platforms is, is outstanding to see the work that they do and mm. you know the work that you were doing at mm. AXA as well that's um, was, <laughs> it's, it's great to sort of see how you were looking to sort of engage I guess, especially sort of like senior level candidates um, but I think there's also that big piece of how companies are proactively addressing that as well, mm. right? Because it, to me, it goes hand in hand. You've got a great sourcing team, but if you can put more information proactively in front of the audiences that you want to hire, um, I think Spotify do a great job of this. Mm. Um, I think if you can do, if you can put, if you can sort of almost soften the ground up, if, if a candidate knows what your company does, what the culture's like, mm. um, and then they get an outreach from a, a source, a source yes. in a company um, again that makes it's all about making life simpler right? yes. I think if you can work more efficiently and smarter than just working harder mm. um, if you can tie those two pieces together yes, and then make it a fun experience when candidates actually want to apply yeah it's um, the holy grail isn't it and then give great feedback when they get in or they don't yes um, yeah awesome awesome um, look I think that's enough questions from me where can people find out more about careers at Google, I assume it's relatively easy via a Google search. <laughs> yeah, he's Google, um, careers at Google. Yeah, no, it's, um, it's careers.google.com. Um, we actually put a lot of work into that recently as well, cool. where I think the first stage is you type in what you want to do. Great. And then you type in which country you want to do, and maybe even put some skills in that you want to work with, and it will find you the jobs that awesome. are relevant in terms of you. Um, yeah, there's lots of jobs available. Awesome. And I'm sure you're relatively easy to find on, on LinkedIn. Well. I always thought I was. I think I'm probably pretty easy to find on LinkedIn. There is also a semi-professional footballer and a DJ. And if you Google me, I'm pretty sure an Irish pub comes up as well. Um, but hopefully, yeah, my, my Google search ratings <laughs> are increasing. Good, good. I'm sure, I'm sure people will be able to hunt you down one way or another. Um, look, Ollie, thank you so much for your time. Really thank appreciate you. it and um, really enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, me too. Cheers. 
Guys, hi. Uh, it's not all over. I forgot to ask one of the most important questions of all. I forgot to ask Ollie what he loves most about working in talent acquisition. Um, so we're going to rewind very quickly. I'm going to ask him the question and uh, we'll call that a Brucey bonus. So what would you say that you love most about working in a talent acquisition role, a talent acquisition job? Yeah, um, probably one of my favourite questions that I don't think any friends or family have ever asked me. <laughs> but I, I, I um, presented in front of a group of students a couple of times actually last year. Um, and I don't think anybody ever thinks about recruitment as a job. Hmm. Um, but I honestly think that they should because the, the ability to get to know companies, I don't think any other role other than a recruiter sort of gives you that sort of breadth and depth. Um, you know, when I started working in recruitment, I was facing off to directors of investment banking mm. and you know you get to know so much about their business and what they do and then you're working for a number of different companies the more senior you get your stakeholders are VPs country managers like yeah. big sort of tenured professionals um, the knowledge that you pick up from them just any kind of knowledge really like just working day to day with senior stakeholders I think gives you a huge amount of knowledge then using that to sort of drive your own business acumen. I think business acumen is a, is a key talent acquisition trait that is needed. Mm. Um, the more you understand the team and the business and the company that you work for um, will help you in terms of your job and how you work with candidates. And you know, rather than just reading off a job spec, you need these skills, but actually really bringing that to life. I think you get that from working with senior stakeholders, which you know, in any other role, you'll probably work with senior stakeholders in your organisation, but you won't work with senior stakeholders across an entire organisation. Um, and I, I definitely think recruiters should be able to go out and present to students or try and headhunt a CEO mm. and be able to tell them not just what the role is that you're looking for, but actually what that entire company does. And I think recruiters have that breadth and depth of knowledge probably more than any other mm. professional. And mm. Maybe it's just because I like asking incessant questions, um, as my previous bosses would probably no doubt say, but um, building up business acumen and just that curiosity to know what a company's doing, the challenges, the plans, the priorities, like that for me is, you know, I, I get to work at a company like Google yeah. and get to know so much about a company that I've known for 20 years. Yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's an incredible way of... Uh, as you say, kind of understanding the real breadth of the organisation mm. uh, and uncover sometimes you just uncover little, uh, you know, departments, um, teams that you never actually would have yeah. known existed um, otherwise. So the variety is is always what I enjoyed most about yeah. my my roles in talent acquisition as well. Excellent. Okay, guys, that really is it this time. I thought that was a great conversation. Um, Ollie is, as I said at the beginning of the episode, one of the best TA professionals I know. So hopefully you've been able to get some value out of that conversation. Uh, leave a rating, leave a review. Let me know what you think. You can get me on matt at hirewindow.com. Uh, and until next time, um, you know, happy recruiting. Speak soon. <laughs>